Thank you so much for joining us for today's podcast. We'll get started in just a moment. If this is your first time here, please consider subscribing so that you may stay up to date with the latest podcast. And if our podcast brings value to your life, please consider sharing it with family and friends. Thanks for listening. And now here's today's podcast. Thanks for joining us for the Covenant Living Broadcast with Pastor John Butler of Covenant Life Church, located at 130 Atlantic Avenue in Bremen, Georgia. Uh, let's get into the Word. John chapter 15, John 15 and Micah 6. John 15 and Micah 6. John 15, we'll be reading from the New Living Translation. Micah 6, we'll be reading from the NIV. Feel free to read from whatever you want to read, all right? John 15 and verse 17, Jesus said, This is my command, love each other. He'd already said that in verse 13. He filled it out in, in between in verses 14 through 16. He said it again in verse 17. This is my commandment, love one another. All right? Micah chapter 6 and verse 8. Micah 6 and 8 says, He has shown you, O mortal, what is good. What does the Lord require of you? And then he answers the question, to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. To, to act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with your God. Father, I just pray that you would add your blessing, Lord, to the reading and, and the hearing and the doing of your word. Lord, I pray that you would help us to not just be hearers of your word, but to put them into practice today and every day. In the name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. Listen, I've got a lot of scripture today. Uh, we just started there, but we've got a lot of other scriptures to go to. If you would like to, if you can write them down fast enough, that's great. If you would rather just listen and then go back and, and look later, we have created an event. Every Sunday we create an event on the YouTube Bible app. If you download that app, you can go and search our church and, and it'll pull up an event for every Sunday. And it has all of the, the scriptures that you need uh, in that event. Okay, so if you miss something today and you want to go back and grab it from the YouVersion Bible app, you can. All right, so today we are continuing. I think there's one more message in the series, but we'll do that in two weeks. Uh, we're continuing the series today called The Metrics of Christianity. The metrics of Christianity. How do we measure? How do we measure ourselves as believers? How does God assess us? How do we know if we're doing it right? How do we know if we're being successful followers of Jesus? And Jesus answered that question for us in John chapter 15 with three words. He said, love each other. Love each other. That's it. That's the whole thing right there. That's the measure of Christians is how we love each other. And in Micah chapter 6 verse 8, he further explained it when he said, we act justly, we love mercy, and we walk humbly with our God. So we've already talked about what it looks like a couple of weeks ago, what it looks like to, uh, to walk humbly. Last week, we talked about what it means to act justly or to seek justice. Today, we're going to look at what it means to love mercy. So today's message in the Metrics of Christianity series is love and mercy. 
Now, as I was studying for the, for the message uh, today, I was really surprised at how broad the word mercy is. It, it's, I thought I had a pretty good working understanding of what mercy was, but biblically the word mercy is, <clears throat> it has a really wide uh, meaning. And, and so I want us to spend a little time uh, studying that today because to say that we are merciful people as believers is quite a mouthful. Because on the one hand, mercy is this high-minded counterbalance to the idea of justice, right? You have justice in one, in one, uh, on one hand, and you have mercy on the other hand. But uh, it's also as simple and as ordinary as helping an old lady across the street. That's also mercy. So being merciful affects those that are closest to us and being merciful also affects those that we barely know or sometimes don't even know. But God said through the prophet Micah that he expects us to love mercy, to walk in it, to be full of mercy. So we should probably figure out what mercy is. Don't you think that'd be a good place to start? So I want to focus on three major definitions or three major ways that mercy expresses itself and, and then also talk about some ways that we apply those things in, in, our, in our, not just our current culture, but in every situation that we find ourselves in. Okay, so first of all, mercy expresses itself as kindness. That's one of the definitions of mercy. And I'm going to show you several scriptures for, in fact, first one being Psalm 145 verses eight and nine. It says, the Lord is merciful and compassionate slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love. The Lord is good or kind to everyone and he showers compassion on all his creation. That'd actually be a great verse for all of the definitions of mercy because they're all kind of jammed in there. But I wanted you to see the, how it equates the Lord's mercifulness to the Lord's goodness or kindness to us. Look at Hebrews chapter four, verse 16. It says, so let us come boldly to the throne of grace or the throne of our gracious God. There we will receive what? His mercy and will find grace to help us when we need it the most. That's kindness. We'll talk about that in just a second. Matthew chapter 25 and verse 35 sums this up. You've read this passage or heard it before. Jesus said, I was hungry. You fed me. I was thirsty. You gave me drink. I was a stranger. You invited me into your home. He talks about being sick and being in prison and people came to minister and to visit him. He's talking about expressions of mercy and kindness. Colossians chapter three, verses 12 through 14. Since God shows you to be the holy people he loves, you must clothe yourselves with mercy. What kind of mercy? Tenderhearted mercy, which, which shows itself in kindness and humility. Wow, look at that. Uh, love mercy, walk humbly. There's gentleness, there's patience. Make, a, make allowance for each other's faults. This is still all expressions of mercy in a person's life. Make allowance for each other's faults and forgive anyone who offends you. Remember the Lord forgave you, so you must forgive others. Above all, clothe yourself with love, because where does mercy come from? Love, which binds us all together in perfect harmony. Listen, mer mercy, Murphy? Who's Murphy? Mercy expressed as kindness is doing helpful things, generous things for people, regardless of whether they could do it for themselves or not. 
It's, it's giving them what they want or what they need in their time or season of need and doing it in a way that's gracious. Hebrews said that when we come before the throne of grace, we find the mercy and grace that we need in our, the, the help that we need in our time of need. Answered prayer and strength for the day is the kindness of God. Is it not? When somebody comes and says, I need mercy, I need grace, I need help, then it is, it is kindness to give them what they need. And that's what God does for us. In Matthew, Jesus said, when people are hungry or thirsty or sick or naked or in prison or whatever, that mercy should compel us to help people. So mercy expresses itself as kindness. Now, here's the question that we have to ask ourselves, though. Who are we kind to? Who should we be kind to? Because I know some people are saying, well, I'm just going to tell you right now. I ain't, one of those, uh, I ain't one of those people who just does everything for everybody. I'm one of those, if your leg ain't broke, get it yourself kind of people. Right? So who are you supposed to help? Well, it, you don't help people just because they can't do it for themselves. That's why it's called kindness. Otherwise, it's service. You can sometimes help people who need it, not just because they need it, but because you have the need to be kind as a follower of Christ. So who do we help? Who are we kind to? Are we only kind to people who are kind to us? No, because mercy is rooted in our love for each other. And Jesus teaches us we are to love everybody always, right? So look at Luke chapter 6, verses 27 and 28. But to you who are willing to listen, that's a great qualification, isn't it? If you're willing to listen, Jesus has something to say. Love your enemies. Do good to those who hate you. Bless those who curse you. And pray for, not about, those who hurt you. If you're kind to those who are kind to you, that takes no divine ability. Jesus said anybody can do that. Unsaved people do that. That's natural, repaying kindness for kindness. Or if you're only kind to people that you're trying to manipulate, that's not mercy, people you're trying to, to impress, that's not mercy, that's manipulation. If you're only kind to people that you want to be impressed with you, that's not mercy. The kind of mercy that flows from the life of a believer, from a follower of Jesus, be, means being kind to those who are not kind. It means treating the boss with respect, even when he or she is rude and angry. It means being kind to people who hate you because of the color of your skin or because you wear a badge. According to Jesus in the parable of the Good Samaritan, mercy means you help a stranger who might very well despise you if they were conscious. It means that a protester will give assistance to an injured police officer. It means that a police officer will do the same for a rioter. It means doing for others what you would like them to do for you. That's mercy. And it's not called the golden rule because it's so shiny and beautiful. It's called golden because it's so rare and hard to find somebody who will love each other in a way that expresses mercy and kindness to everyone. But that's the call. That's the commandment is to love each other. And one way we do that is by showing mercy through kindness. Is everybody with me today? All right. This, listen, this ain't hard to understand. It's just hard to do. Right. 
That's why it takes the infillment of the Holy Spirit. That's why you have to walk in the Spirit and not in the flesh. Because otherwise you'll never do what the Spirit says to do. Is that right? Anybody with some experience can say amen to that? Here's the second way mercy expresses itself. It's not just in kindness, but it's in compassion. Compassion. We already read a couple of verses that, that showed how mercy equates to compassion in addition to kindness. I want to show you three more. Mark chapter 6 and verse 34. This is kind of the kicker. Jesus saw the huge crowd as he stepped from the boat and he had compassion. Some translations say mercy. Had mercy on them, had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And so he began teaching them many things. Lamentations chapter 3. Verses 22 and 23, you've heard this before, maybe not in this context. The faithful love of the Lord never ends. His mercies never cease. Great is his faithfulness. His mercies begin afresh each morning. And that's mercy, that's mercy expressed as compassions who never fail. Uh, Psalm 86 in verse 15, but you, O Lord, are a God of compassion and mercy, slow to get angry and filled with unfailing love and faithfulness. Mercy expressed as compassion allows you to feel someone else's burden and someone else's pain. It's the ability to put yourself in somebody else's shoes. That is sorely missing in our country at this point in time. Compassion is missing in our country. Would you agree with me today? It's missing. And it's at, compassion is at an anemic level even in the church. We have gotten so self-absorbed and self-centered that we can't understand anybody else's perspective. Compassion should be a fairly common human trait made more powerful by the work of the Holy Spirit in us as believers. But social media and other technology has allowed us to filter out every other voice that doesn't agree with ours. And, it, and it's, it's to the point that we've now lost the ability to understand anybody else's point of view. Anyone who doesn't agree with us now in 2020, if you don't agree with me, we don't just have a difference of opinion. Now we're mortal enemies, right? You, we can't just have opposing views. You're pure evil and I'm altogether good because nobody could have a different opinion than the one I have. No one could have a different perspective than the perspective that I have. And only God loves people who think and act and vote and, and, and do like I do. You see how narrow-minded and arrogant that is? And so completely and utterly uh, lacking in compassion? We, we have a hard time realizing that we're not the center of the universe sometimes. In Mark chapter 6, when we just read, Jesus walked into this crowd and was moved with compassion for them. But if you read the previous verses, I want you to understand, Jesus walked into that crowd with a need of his own that day. As a human, as a man, he had other plans. He had crossed the lake on this boat so he could spend some quiet time with his, just with him and the disciples. He needed some time off. But Jesus, who actually is the center of the universe, had so much compassion for these people that he actually put his plans on hold. 
in order to meet their needs. That's love and mercy right there. He saw that they were hungry for the truth. He saw that they were desperate for some time with him, desperate for the words of life that he was going to share with them. He knew they had been mistreated and abused by their other teachers and leaders. And he was so filled with compassion that he stopped what he was doing. He put himself aside and he gave them what they needed in that moment. You see, we've grown so calloused either so calloused or so self-centered that we refuse to be interrupted by anyone else's pain or trouble. It, it's an inconvenience to us. It's, it's offensive to us. We can't be bothered by somebody else's needs, somebody else's uh, pain. Love demands that we develop the ability to put ourselves in somebody else's shoes. What is it they used to say when I was growing up? You, you need to learn to walk a mile in somebody else's shoes. That's compassion. That's understanding. Listen, I don't care how pro-cop you are. You should be able to feel the pain of a family who's lost a loved one, no matter how justified the cop may have been. And I don't care how concerned you are about police brutality, a believer should have enough compassion to see that there are a lot of good cops of all races out there who are dragging themselves to work, scared to death, leaving family members at home who are worried sick. Listen, you don't have to agree with everything that everybody says and does and believes. You don't have to change your mind, but there should be enough Jesus in you that you can see it from their perspective to the extent that we can mourn with those who mourn and weep with those who weep and rejoice with those who rejoice. It may not be my deal, but if it's your deal and I'm called to love you, then I need to be figuring out how to experience it with you. And you might be surprised at how a little compassion might make you feel so much better about your own life. Those moments of those seasons of my life when I was the most down, when I was the most confused, when I was the most depressed, I was also the most hyper-focused on myself. Have a little compassion. See it from somebody else's perspective. It's what Jesus calls us to do. It's an expression of mercy. And here's the last way that mercy expresses itself in the life of a believer, and that's, that's in forgiveness. Now listen, I'll, I'll, I'll be honest with you. I understand forgiveness is a tough conversation to have on Father's Day because there are a lot of people with daddy issues, and rightfully so, okay? I'm not belittling any of that. But the power of Jesus flows in and through the life of a believer in, in the form of mercy, in the form of love ex and, and mercy expressed as forgiveness. So this, this word is true no matter what day it is. And I want you to listen to it as such. Matthew 18, there, there are uh, several verses that I want us to read. And we have to hear this in the context of mercy. We're looking, at, we're looking for mercy expressed his forgiveness. Peter came to Jesus and said, Lord, how often should I forgive someone who, uh, who sins against me? And very generously, Peter said, should, should I forgive them seven times? And Jesus said, no, not seven times. And Peter's hoping that he's going to say, no, this a couple times is enough. 
And Jesus said, no, not seven times, 70 times seven. And if you look in the context of the verse, he actually means 490 times a day for the same offense from the same person. And uh, so Jesus knew that Peter was going to have a hard time wrapping his brain around that, as we do. So he launched into a parable that tried to explain this. He, Jesus said, therefore, the kingdom of heaven can be compared to a king who decided to bring his accounts up to date with servants who had borrowed money from him. In the process, one of his debtors was brought in who owed him millions of dollars. He couldn't pay, so his master ordered that he be sold along with his wife, his children, and everything he owned in order to pay the debt. But the man fell down before his master and begged him, please be patient with me and I'll pay it all. The master was filled with pity for him, that's mercy, and he released him and forgave his debt. But when the man left the king, he went to a fellow servant who owed him a few thousand dollars he grabbed him by the throat and he demanded instant payment. His fellow servant fell down before him and begged for a little more time. Be patient with me and I will pay it. Exactly what he just said to the king. But his creditor wouldn't wait. He had the man arrested and put in prison until his debt could be paid in full. When some of the other servants saw this, they were very upset. They went to the king, told him everything that had happened. The king called the man back that he had forgiven, and he said, You evil servant, I forgave you that tremendous debt because you pleaded with me. Shouldn't you have had mercy on your fellow servant just as I had on you? You see, we, we'll read the last couple of verses, the conclusion of that, in just a few minutes. But there is no way that you can read that passage and a dozen more just like it from the Bible that I can show you and not conclude that part of expressing mercy to people is forgiving people. You say, well, John, listen, I don't mind forgiving people who deserve it. I don't mind, I give mercy to people who deserve mercy. Listen, I know that sounds logical and that sounds generous, but it is a contradiction. It is a contradiction. No one deserves mercy. And here's why. Because by definition, if they are in a position to need mercy, it means they have done something wrong. So reserving mercy for people who deserve mercy is a great cop-out because nobody deserves mercy if you are intent on justice. You say, well, listen, John, I'm kind of more of a seek justice kind of guy. I'll leave the love mercy stuff for somebody else. That's why God, in his infinite mercy, put all three of these in the same verse, separated by a comma, all as part of one idea. Seek justice, love mercy, and walk humbly before your God, not or. It's not a buffet. You don't get to choose which ones you like and leave the rest of them for somebody else. You see, if you stick to the, the strict rules of justice, everybody would get what their crime deserved. They'd get the maximum sentence for their, for their crime. It's important that loving mercy goes hand in hand with seeking justice. Because if not, it's very easy to go too far in the other direction. There is a ditch of injustice on both sides of the road. 
If you get too caught up in seeking justice, it gets really easy to condemn everybody for everything and forget that Jesus said, let he who is without sin cast the first stone. You see, it's not that we don't stand for anything, but we should also keep in mind that all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There has to be a place for repentance and reconciliation. Because the reality is, if we all lived in a world of only justice, even true justice or pure justice, that we'd all eventually wind up on death row. Jesus taught us in this parable in Matthew that sometimes what true justice looks like, what pure justice looks like, is more like mercy. You see, why were the other servants so upset at this guy? Because his enormous debt was just forgiven and now he's choking a guy out over a few bucks. Justice in this case, God's justice in this case, was not demanding his rights under the law, but offering the same mercy that he had just enjoyed. You see, for the believer, we show mercy because we've, we've received mercy from our king with a capital K. We offer forgiveness because we've been forgiven. That's what should make a follower of Jesus the most humble and most merciful and gracious and forgiving person on the earth. What we freely received, we should freely give. But I'm going to tell you the truth. 28 years of ministry behind me, the most unmerciful, unforgiving, uncompassionate people that I've met in my life, I met in church. Not all of them, not everybody in church, but enough of them. Too many of them, as a matter of fact. Bitter and angry and mean and hateful, rude, arrogant, and completely blind to their own faults. As a matter of fact, some of them completely blind to the possibility that they have a fault. That, that, that's, that's what you're too likely to find in a church. People who are mad about a decision that was made 23 years ago about the menu of a fellowship meal that they don't even do anymore. Right? People who can't keep themselves from making a snarky comment about the color of the carpet or the style of the, of the decor in the, in, in, the, in the lobby every time they walk in because they weren't included on the decision or it wasn't their preference. People who have heard the truth and know Jesus and they know Jesus heals and they know Jesus sets free, but they'd rather hold on to unforgiveness and bitterness than to forgive and be set free. Listen, that, that can be true of all of us. That, that, that can't be true for us, though. We have to reject that. It's easy to fall into that pattern, but we have to recognize it and reject it. We can't let that church be this church. We can't let those people be us. We have got to love each other. We have got to be full of mercy. We've got to be quick to forgive, quick to be kind to each other, quick to be compassionate with each other. It's inter interesting to me that God says we have to love mercy. You know, not just like endure it, 
not just release a little bit in, in, the, in those moments. We, we have to love mercy. Do you know what that means? Understanding the definition? Do you know what that means? It means we're going to have to get used to being betrayed and offended. We got to get used to people mistreating us. We're going to have to get used to serving other people. Sometimes without them even appreciating it. We, we got to get used to running into people who are hurt and bitter and angry and figuring out how to navigate that relationship. Why? Because we love showing mercy as followers of Jesus. We love blessing people who hurt us. We love serving people who are mad at us. We love forgiving people who have hurt us intentionally. We don't just endure it, we love it. Why? What person in their right mind would love showing mercy to people who don't deserve it and don't appreciate it? Followers of Christ. And who said we were in our right minds? We're supposed to have the mind of Christ, not our own minds. Here's, but here's why you can get behind showing mercy. Here's the, here's the payoff. Here's the good news. Because the more mercy you give, the more mercy you get. The more kindness and compassion you give, the more kindness and compassion you get. The more treasure you store up in heaven and the more mercy you reap on the earth. And humility teaches us that we all need all the mercy we can get, right? You say, well, John, I, I definitely need some mercy in my life. I need compassion. I need forgiveness. I need, I, need, I need kindness. So how do I get all that? How do I find this mercy? Luke chapter 6, verse 31. I'm going to end with a verse that you've heard before, but I want you to hear the lead up because Jesus took a running start before he got to the conclusion. All right. Look at verse 31. Here's the golden rule. Do to others as you would like them to do to you. If you love only those who love you, why should you get credit for that? Even sinners love those who love them. And if you do good only to those who do good to you, why should you get credit? Even sinners do that much. And if you lend money only to those who can repay you, why should you get credit? Even sinners will lend to other sinners for a full return. Love your enemies. Do good to them. Lend to them without expecting to be repaid. Then your reward from heaven will be very great and you'll truly be acting as children of the Most High. For he is kind, there's mercy, to those who are unthankful and wicked. You must be compassionate or merciful just as your Father is compassionate or merciful. Now look at verses 37 and 38. Don't judge others and you won't be judged. Don't condemn others or it'll all come back against you. Forgive others and you'll be forgiven. Give, now here's the one we always read at the offering time. Give and you'll receive. Your gift will return to you in full, pressed down, shaken together to make room for more, running over, poured into your lap. The amount you give will determine the amount you get back. Listen, if you want or need mercy in your life, you have to invest mercy in somebody else. Just like you give money and you expect it to be returned because you reap what you sow, the context of this passage shows us this is not just about a financial return. 
Give mercy, give kindness, give compassion, give forgiveness, and it gets returned to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, and poured into your lap. We all need mercy, so we better start loving mercy and looking for ways to invest mercy. But listen, don't be so foolish and so arrogant as to say things like, well, I ain't asking nobody for mercy. I don't even need your mercy. I'm not asking you to forgive me. I'm fine getting what I deserve. I'm fine with my decisions. (laughs) Listen, if you have that attitude and there is anybody who can stand to be around you, then it's already evidence of God's mercy in your life that you are not alone. But I want you to look at what the Word says about people who withhold their mercy, whether it's expressed as kindness or compassion or forgiveness. All right? Look at Matthew chapter 5 and verse 7. The words of Jesus, God blesses those who are merciful for they will be shown mercy. That's, that's confirmation of what we just said. You give mercy, you get mercy. James 2 and 13, there will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. Let me read that from your Bible again. There will be no mercy for those who have not shown mercy to others. But if you've been merciful, God will be merciful when he judges you. Matthew 18, here's the last two verses of the parable of, the, uh, of, the, of the, uh, the debtor who refused to release the other person of his debt. Then the angry king sent the man to be tortured until he had paid his entire debt. And look at the conclusion that Jesus drew from this parable. That's what my heavenly father will do to you if you refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. Matthew chapter 6, verses 14 and 15. This follows Matthew 6, 9 through 13, which is what we commonly refer to as the Lord's Prayer. In the midst of the Lord's Prayer, we say what we rarely even hear ourselves saying, forgive us as we forgive those in the same way that we forgive those who trespassed against us. Verse 14 is, his, is Jesus' follow-up to that prayer. He said, if you forgive those who sin against you, your heavenly Father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your Father will not forgive your sins. Ladies, gentlemen, brothers, sisters, all of us have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. All of us mess up in our relationships. All of us mess up in our efforts to walk with God. We can't afford to withhold mercy and compassion and kindness and forgiveness. That passage in Luke works both ways. If you give judgment instead of justice, if you give resentment instead of forgiveness, if you give bitterness instead of compassion and kindness, then those things get pressed down, shaken together, and returned into your life. We need mercy. So we better start loving mercy and giving mercy. All right? Say, well, John... I'm going to be honest with you, that's a struggle for me. I'm not good at mercy. I don't offer it very easily because I've just seen too much injustice. I've had too much done to me that's wrong. I just don't do mercy. Listen, having difficulty in offering mercy to people 
is an indication usually of one of two things. Either it's a, it's a proud and arrogant heart or it's a wounded heart. Maybe both. Even if it's, even if it's just having difficulty in showing mercy to yourself, forgiveness is most difficult when it has to be expressed to the person in the mirror. Do you know why people are so brutal on social media? Yeah, have you read some of the nasty stuff that people say on social media? Why are, why are they like that? Because justice and judgment is easier from a distance. Mercy flows in familiarity. It's really easy to attack somebody that you don't know, that you don't know anything about, you don't understand their context, you don't know what they've been through or where they're coming from, and you're pretty sure you'll never have to meet them face to face. If you struggle with offering mercy to people, what you need to do is sit across the table from somebody you disagree with. Turn off the talk radio that only reinforces your own preconceived notions and convinces you of the, and, and fulfills the arrogance of your own heart that you are right about everything. Turn that off. Get to know somebody who disagrees with you. Get to know them as a person. Get to know about their family. Listen to their stories. Find common ground with them. Because once you put a face and a story on the issue, it gets much easier to offer mercy and to scale back those attacks. So drop the sword and grab a towel. Figuratively wash the feet of people that you disagree with. Serve them. Be kind to them. If you hate the protesters, if that's just on your last nerve, then why don't you go to the store, buy a few cases of water, ice them down, and go pass them out to those who are protesting because protesting in June is hot work. Same goes for police officers. Same goes for anybody that you're having trouble showing mercy to. If you're having trouble with a hateful boss or a hateful coworker, take lunch to them. I don't mean lace it with something and take it to them. Talking about X-Lax brownies, bunch of heathens. I'm talking about make something good that they like, not something they're allergic to. Sit down and have lunch with them. Or if they don't, even if they don't want to do that, drop it off. Just wanted to bless you. Just wanted to, I know you work hard, just wanted you to have some lunch. The icebergs of hate and racism and divisions of all kinds melt away when you start getting to know people and start showing mercy. And if your difficulty in offering mercy to people comes from a wounded soul, then be committed to getting yourself healthy first. Don't go running out into the world under the guise of showing kindness and mercy and you're all jacked up on the inside. It's going to come out sideways. Get healed. That kind of inner healing comes from a relationship. It's, a, it's available in the ministry of Christ and the relationship that we have with Him. So get healed. And then go and be the hands and feet of Jesus. 
Listen, there is no way to love each other. And that was the command, right? Jesus said, love each other. There's no way to love each other without mercy. Just like there's no way to love someone and not stand up for them when they're being mistreated. Just like there's no way to love someone and be the arrogant center of the world, knowing everything about everything. Because that's not love. If we're going to measure up as believers, if we're going to truly be like Jesus, we're going to have to love each other. That's what he said. And we do that by seeking justice, loving mercy, and walking humbly. That's the metric measure of Christianity. Won't you stand? We pray that you have been blessed and inspired by today's Covenant Living broadcast. To find out more information about our ministry, just visit our website at www.covenantlifewestga.org. You can find this video there on our homepage. Just click the YouTube button and make sure you subscribe to our YouTube channel. And give us a call at 770-537-3747. That's 770-537-3747. At Covenant Life, our mission is to go and make disciples by being real, relational, and reaching. Be sure to join us next week for more Covenant Living with Pastor John Butler.